0: Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman.
1: Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, and a good Monday morning, and a happy new year to everybody. I'm hoping to be back in the studio with all of you on Wednesday. Before we go any further, let me say good morning to the dynamic duo, if not trio, Casey McAllister, Paul Fritzner, the Duns, Brandon Seho. I mean, look at, look, look at you two guys. front runners all the way. TCU with a Bengals sweatshirt on. Paul, put that down. You have no right, to be, even- you have no I right you. to be holding the sweatshirt. There were people that went crazy on the internet about you wearing that sweatshirt while picking TCU to lose the game.
2: I did. And I said, Tom, if TCU won, I'd be wearing this all week. And I brought it in. It'll be right here all <laughs> week this week. Orn Frogs, baby. Sonny Dykes. Orn Frogs.
1: Sonny Dykes, leader of men. We'll get to them in a minute. We'll get to them in a minute. But look, we come your way Monday through Friday. It's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, presented by United Dairy Farmers. 10 Eastern to noon Eastern, Monday through Friday. You can find us right here on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We always ask you please subscribe to the show. We also stream on Facebook Live each and every day. Just search Chatterbox Sports and we will be there. As always, if you prefer to just download us in podcast form, that's great. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Well, look, it's a talk of the town, right? It's a talk of the NFL. The Bengals and the Bills set to tee it up tonight, 830 P at Paycor Stadium. Now, we know for sure, I mean, barring a disaster next week, but the number two seed in the AFC playoffs, number two seed, is definitely on the line. And depending on what happens with Kansas City next week against the Raiders, it could be for the number one overall seed. The Chiefs almost, key word being almost, got beat yesterday rallying to knock off Denver 27-24. We know the four seed will come down to this weekend's clash between the Jaguars and the Titans in Jacksonville. The winner takes the AFC South, loser is out. Here's where it gets really interesting. Baltimore and Pittsburgh play last night. Pittsburgh takes a 16-13 slug them out win. And don't look now, but the men of aluminum are turning into the men of steel. They're now eight and eight with a shot at the playoffs. They would need to win next week and hope that both New England and Miami lose for the Steelers to get in. We'll get back to them in a minute. As for Baltimore, the Bengals have to win or tie one more game and their division champs. But get this, the Ravens now have slipped to the sixth seed behind the Chargers in the AFC. So if the season ended today, right? We know the Bengals and Ravens are playing next Sunday. They would play the next weekend, again, in the first round of the playoffs. Oh, and by the way, if the Bengals get the two seed, there is a chance they could play the Steelers at home in the first game of the playoffs. There's a lot going on here. Now, ahead of the Steelers, theoretically, you have the Patriots, They take on Miami and the Patriots fully control uh, their playoff destiny. If New England beats Buffalo this coming weekend, they're in the final wild card spot. Doesn't matter what the Steelers, doesn't matter what Miami does. Now, if Miami wins at home against the Jets, New England loses, Miami is in. So as I mentioned, Steelers only get in if both New England and Miami lose This weekend, of course, the Steelers have to win. Elsewhere, the Giants clinched a playoff spot with a win over Indy. The Buccaneers, uh, you know, how do you explain Tom Brady? At 45 years old, he owns every record there is known to man, and now he has set yet another one. Fifth straight game with 30 or more completions. He throws three touchdown passes, runs for another, fires for 440 yards in the game. The Buccaneers nail down the NFC South. The Eagles for the second straight week had a chance to nail down the number one seed home field throughout the playoffs. But the second straight week, they go without Jalen Hurts. They lose. So get this drama now, okay? The Eagles play the Giants next week. Hurts is expected back. If Philadelphia loses that game, and that's a real possibility, Giants are pretty good. They're already in the playoffs. If they lose that game and Dallas wins, the Cowboys would clinch the NFC East and perhaps the number one seed. Now the Niners have won nine in a row. They get the overtime win over the Raiders yesterday. San Francisco still has a shot at the number one overall seed in the NFC. Then you get to Green Bay. Once four and eight, talking about benching Aaron Rodgers, All of a sudden, the Packers have won four in a row. They demolished Minnesota. That was embarrassing, if you're a Vikings fan. It was embarrassing. If the Packers win next week, they are in the playoffs. The Pack, Seattle, and Detroit, each has a shot at the final spot in the NFC. Now, college football, it may have been the single greatest day in the history of the sport. Two playoff games, absolutely riveting television tcu stuns michigan 51 45 in phoenix and will now take on defending champion georgia who rallied from 14 down in the fourth quarter to beat ohio state in the other semi 42 41 championship game is in la that's a week from tonight the bulldogs have opened as a 13 and a half point favorite. 13 and a half College hoops. Paul's got his Xavier shirt on. They're red hot right now. On Saturday, they knock off the number two team in the nation, previously unbeaten UConn. UC, meanwhile lost yesterday at Temple, seventy to sixty-one. The Bearcats are ten and five on the year. So, Paul, you're uh, you, you know we got a lot to talk about with the Bengals. We got James Rapine coming up shortly at ten fifteen. But at least, at least acknowledge your Musketeers are on quite a roll
2: yeah i mean that's eight in a row and that's a win over the number two team in the country it was a great atmosphere on saturday uh it was just it was a lecture. it was a sold out crowd it wasn't the same environment as when xavier beat villanova back in 2016 when it was number five and number one in the country but it was probably the best environment at centos since then in my opinion it was great it was a good win for xavier will probably be i would say top 15 today when the new rankings come out and You know, this game was tied at 71 with less than four minutes to go, and Xavier closed on a 12-2 run, so it was was electric. It was a great environment. It was great for Xavier to win a game like this, a close game that they'd had trouble closing out wins like this earlier in the season. You look at Indiana and Duke, a couple of games that Xavier had chances to win down the stretch. Look at Gonzaga, had chances to win those games down the stretch but couldn't close it out. Feels like this group's grown together now in the last month or so. They've won eight in a row, and – now you have a bye week this week before you go to Villanova on Saturday. Haven't won at Villanova since you joined the Big East. So a couple of big mountains to climb after you beat UConn and now go to Villanova. Some, some, uh, some tall tasks for Xavier, but after Saturday, you never, who knows what this team's ceiling is, Tom? We'll
1: see. Well, we'll see. I mean, they got the right man coaching, that's for sure. Uh, we will talk about Xavier later in the week. But fellas, you guys are there in town. Uh, You can't help but turn on any of the national shows, uh, whether they were yesterday in the pregame shows on CBS and Fox, whether it was on the NFL Network, everybody is talking about this matchup tonight of the Bengals versus the Bills. Paul Deener Jr. in The uh, Athletic wrote what I thought was a very interesting story this morning about Really the unknown between these two teams, meaning that the Bengals have played the Chiefs three times in the last year. And while they're not a divisional opponent, you feel like both of the teams probably know one another pretty well. I mean, three times in one calendar year. That's more times than you play teams in your own division. More times than not in one calendar year. Although the the Bengals well, it will be because they're not playing the Ravens, the Bengals until uh now that we're in the new year. So they've only played each of their division opponents even going back to last january two times they played kansas city more in this calendar year of 2022 than anybody else they have not played the buffalo bills and i think that there is there's sort of an unknown here that these two teams have one another and in his article he points out it should be extremely interesting to see how each team attacks the other because normally when you've got You know, let's again use the Kansas City example. You can go back and look what you did against this team the one time, the second time, the third time, what they did against you. There's none of that here besides watching the team you're playing against everybody else. Um, I, I just think this game, I sure hope it lives up to the hype, like the college football playoff games did, and we'll get to those a little bit later on. But I sure hope it plays up to the hype. I mean, the, the the feeling around the town, fellows, has got to be off the charts, Casey.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I have to agree with you, Tom. Um, this game, at least for the fans, feels like it's the biggest game of the year, and oh, yeah. probably for the whole the NFL world, it probably feels like yeah. the biggest game of the year. I mean, th- these are two really good teams with quarterbacks that are regarded as some of the top three. So you're looking at a game where it's the best of the best. That's really what it boils down to, is that these two teams are the best of the best, especially in the AFC, regardless of what Kansas City's record is. These two teams, whoever wins tonight, is going to be the favorite in the AFC to win. The whole thing.
1: Well, I don't know if I'm going that far. I don't know if I'm going that far. I mean, Kansas I City, at the end of the day, Kansas City has the same number of losses as Buffalo. And right now, Buffalo holds a tie break over Kansas City because they beat them early in the year. Right. They would be the number one seed if it ended today. I, I, I'm not in any form or fashion ready to concede that the Bengals and the Bills are both for sure better than Kansas City, especially if Kansas City gets home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Are well, you? I mean- I I would because both teams have already beat Kansas
0: City. I think Kansas City is slotted at three, regardless of what happens. It's going to be either Bengals, Bills, Chiefs, or Bills, Bengals, Chiefs. That's the order in the AFC. That's the order that's going to be, well, you know, But regardless of what happens tonight. I, I how do you feel about it?
2: Uh. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something still in the back of my head with the Chiefs that I just, yeah. as much as the Bengals have beat the Chiefs, I get I get it. Look, like the chat's going to say, oh, the Bengals beat the Chiefs three times in a row. I get that. But I also think there's a reason that they're the number one seed. And uh, now, what? depending on what happens tonight, if we get a ESPN score prediction type result tonight, then... Yeah, that would be bad. That would be a tough look. That would be bad. That'd be tough. I hope I. You know what, Tom? Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say, Tom. All right. I hope, just like you, that after the buildup, because it feels a lot of times in sports, like when you build games up like this, there's so much anticipation. There's the national spotlight. It's Monday Night Football. You have all the yep. eyeballs around the entire NFL world looking down on this game between two young quarterbacks, finally squaring off in a game that may or may not mean a ton for the postseason, just depending on how things shake out, but means a lot just for the overall culture of the game and how this landscape of the NFL is being viewed through the lens of these young quarterbacks right now. I am with yep. you, Tom. I am very much with you, Tom, where you hope after all of this anticipation and buildup that you get a good game, that it's not a dud, yep. that somebody doesn't get hurt, that it's not the third quarter and it's you know 10 to 7 and you're going, man, we waited for this you know, you, you want this to be 35-28 or something like that.
1: Well, look, and I mean, we got a lot of people in the chat, uh, you, you know, that are talking about, Eric is talking about, um, you know, the only reason they're the number one seed. You look at four free wins against the Broncos and the Raiders. Hey, look, you know, you play in the division you play in, and everybody knows that ahead of time. Okay, Kansas City has played a great schedule. They've played like the Bengals, a first place schedule from last year. Just like the Bills, they played a first place schedule this year. Now, you know, you look at maybe who they play. You don't think the Bengals caught a break this year by playing the NFC South? I mean, come on, okay? So let's not get into the whole thing about who you played, who you didn't play. The bottom line is all three of those teams, Bills, Chiefs, Bengals played first place schedules this season, end of story. Now, you watched the Stidham kid yesterday for the Raiders. He takes over for Derek Carr. And let me know, fellas, when um, James Rapine is set to go, and we'll bring him in. He is Um, here. Oh, he is here. Okay, well, let's get right to James and talk more about this game. James, can't thank you enough for joining us on a a Monday morning, and you're going to have a long day and a long night, hopefully (laughs) an exciting night ahead. Happy New Year to you. I hope you and your family had a great Christmas. I assume everybody's doing all right.
3: Yeah, everything's good, Tom. I appreciate it. Happy New Year to you, and thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. So you know, James, you and I talked about this a little more than a week ago. Um, In my opinion, in the 30-something years that uh, I've been around Cincinnati longer than that, what am I talking about? Almost 50 years. uh, Lived out of town a little bit. But I can remember a lot of big-time games here that were played. Uh, I remember during the boomer years uh, when Chicago came to town. But that was a Saturday after or Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock game. You know, clearly there have been some anticipated, highly anticipated regular season games here in Cincinnati. I I can't remember. Maybe I'm wrong. I can't remember one more hyped up than this one tonight. Can you?
3: I can't. And spoiler alert, I don't go as far back. But, uh, you know, I, I certainly remember some of these big games, right? The, the As bad as the 90s were, how cool was it when Chad and, and Carson and that group was on Monday Night Football multiple times? And, you know, whether it was playing the Colts, which ended up being a loss, the Chad proposal game, that was a pretty anticipated game, Peyton Manning versus – and Marvin Harrison versus Chad and, and Carson and TJ. So that was a big one. Uh, obviously, you have some playoff games that were – you know, super exciting. But from a regular season standpoint, I don't think there's one. I think this yeah. is the biggest, most anticipated game in the history of Paycor Stadium. And a lot of times we get excited and we're saying things in the moment and all of those things. No, I think that holds true. And part of it is because of the records. And you'll see that from national media today and all of those things. It's a historic Monday night football matchup, all of those things. The other part is these Bengals are really good and they're cool. They're fun to root for. And, you know, Joe Burrow, a lot of people love him and some people dislike him, but it's because they don't have him on their team. Jamar Chase (laughs) is one of the most likable (laughs) players in the NFL. And so when you combine that with another team in Buffalo, who five years ago dreamt of being in this position, much like the Bengals, these two teams are easy to root for. I think it's, uh, it's a heck of a matchup. I'm excited to see it for sure.
1: All right, let's start with injuries. Who do you suspect is going to play tonight that we did not think would play? And is there anybody that's not going to play that we thought was going to play?
3: Hayden Hurst is going to play, and we thought he was going to play. So we'll we'll get the, the softballs out of the way first. The, the tough one, and I'm not afraid to say I don't know. I don't know about Sam Hubbard because yeah. I talked to him on Friday. Friday. All the days are weird with the longer week. On Friday – And it sounded like, if I had to read between the tea leaves, that he wasn't going to play. But unlike Hayden Hurst last week, where they ruled him out a day later after Zach Taylor was kind of coy about things, they haven't done that. And they called him a game-time decision. And maybe they're just playing games behind the scenes and, and trying to make sure that the Bills have to prepare for Sam Hubbard. But we know how important this game is. We know what's on the line. Now we certainly know. They can win the North tonight. And, and control uh, their own destiny and make a decision on what they do against the Ravens next Sunday if they win tonight. So there's uh, there's a lot of advantages to, to handling business tonight. So it wouldn't shock me one bit if Sam Hubbard plays, because we've seen a lot of guys on this team play. At the same time, if I had to lean I lean towards him not playing. We'll see, though, because I'm not going to lie to you, Tom. I'm guessing here. I'm not sure if he's going to see that.
1: But look, I mean, you know, I I think a lot of people, um, James, when you get down the end of the day, sometimes doctors included. I mean, doctors will remind you all the time. uh, While many of us think they are, are God and can play God, they can't. And sometimes there are just things they don't know. And perhaps that's where we are right now with Hubbard. Is there a matchup, whether it's player against player or players against players or unit against unit? If, if there's one or two of those you see at least right now on paper and nobody has a crystal ball, that could be the determining factor in this game, you would say they or would be what?
3: Well, I think that this Bengals wide receiver unit, and, and I'll, I'll make it a little bigger, the skill players. So I'll add Hayden Hurst, Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan especially the receiver group, they were underwhelming last week For the high, as a whole, for the high standards that we have for them, which they should be high. It's a special unit. Yeah. They need to be special tonight. If the Bengals are going to win, I find it hard to believe that Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Haydeners, that they can play outside of Hurst the way they did last week and beat this Bills team. I
1: yeah. think they
3: need to be dominant. I certainly think they're capable of doing that, And whether it was passes that could have been caught, should have been caught, but weren't caught last week, Joe Burrow threw about six touchdowns on paper. And they were tough catches, but he was dropping dimes. So you just want him to play the way he played last week, outside of the pick six. That was on him. Outside of the pick six. You need these receivers to probably have their best game of the season. You know, I talked about it on Locked on Bengals on our preview show. He, uh, Jamar Chase hasn't had a 200-yard game this year. Hasn't had a 150-yard game this year. 200's a lot to ask for any receiver, but a buck 50, I, I think that's uh, kind of in the realm of where you need him to be. Especially when you look at this Bills team, they struggle to tackle. Jamar Chase, hard to tackle, so they should be able to get some, some yards after catch as well. So that's one, and then the obvious one, Isaiah Prince at right tackle. How does he hold up against a, a former first-round pick from a year ago, Gregory Rousseau? who's came on and, and played pretty well with Von Miller out. That's uh, that's a huge, huge matchup. And if uh, if he can hold up there, if this Bengals offensive line can hold up, I think this offense is gonna be able to score with the Bills, no doubt.
1: You know, uh, one trait of Zach Taylor that, that he's not gonna come out and he's not gonna not throw a guy under the bus. I don't mean it that way, but but I mean, he's not going to get into certain decisions that might reveal shortcomings about certain players and or their talents, okay? At the end of the day, you're able to talk to people being in that locker room every day. Why the move to Prince? At the end of the day, Prince is starting this week because...
3: They clearly trust him more. And he took a ton of reps at tackle, right tackle last year. And we know that started in the Super Bowl for them. And it's unique because it surprised me. It surprised everybody. Everyone expected Akeem Adenogy. But if I would have said this in July before he injured that arm of his, that wrist of his, Isaiah Prince I'm talking about, it wasn't surprising. He was the third tackle, and that was their their option. But he got injured, and so then they had to try other guys. We've seen Akeem Adenogy play that that extra tackle role, and that's going to be his role tonight. That doesn't really change much for him. And I think they, they looked at it. They said, oh, well, Isaiah's healthy. And even though he's on the practice squad, that's our guy. Now, that doesn't mean that it has to stay that way. If he struggles, he's still on the practice squad. They could just go to Akeem Adenergy tonight or next week or, you know, in the playoffs. So I don't think he's signed, sealed, delivered, the starting right tackle for the rest of the season. But they looked at it. And when it came down to it, regardless of him being on the practice squad, I think they said, hey, let's, let's roll with the guy we trust the most.
1: All right, I want, I want to bounce around, James, with you about a couple other topics around the league uh, because yes. you're very tuned into what else is happening, uh, and we'll start in the AFC North. Baltimore loses again last night. Bengals need a tie or a win in either of their last two games, their division champs. We know that. Baltimore has now slipped down to the number seven or six seed, pardon me, in the AFC playoff picture. They don't know, like you were referring to earlier. I don't think anybody knows. I don't think Lamar Jackson knows if he's playing this coming Sunday or not. The bottom line is uh, after initially winning some games without him, now they're not winning games and looking very bad without him. Does this enhance his chances of being signed to a long-term contract in Baltimore or because it's now you know two or three times over the last four years, he's hurt and missing a lot of time. Uh, You know, is that all of a sudden going to cost him maybe getting a long-term contract? How how do you see that playing out? To me, that's a tough spot to be in in Baltimore.
3: It is. And I think Baltimore, one, they're not going to win the Super Bowl with Lamar, without Lamar. And so they need to look in the mirror and decide, what do we want to be? Do we want to be this option team that runs it and has a really good tight end and wins with defense and all of that sounds good until you look around the league and you see Joe Burrow in your division, Josh Allen, who can throw it all over the field, Patrick Mahomes, guys that are, you know, Justin Herbert, put him in there.
1: I've I, I thrown Deshaun Watson in that group. I mean, even though he has not played yeah. well since coming back, I mean, you know, next year you got to believe he's going to be back to being the player he wants or at least a chance.
3: Yes, for sure. And so when we last saw Deshaun, he was better than what you had. You know last saw him with with houston playing at his elite level and so i think that's the part of it do you want to keep this construction and so they have two options one pay lamar and build around him like you would build around a more traditional quarterback and see if that works which i'm not saying lamar is jalen hurts but the eagles went and got aj brown for jalen hurts and guess what it's, yeah. it's helped them a lot this year Devonte smith as well right you invest in weapons it matters so we haven't seen them do that around Lamar Jackson. That's what I would have done years ago. And I've talked about and maybe it's hard to get receivers there. So if that's the case, then maybe you do decide to move on. And there are going to be some veteran quarterbacks out there, uh, you, you know, to to bridge the gap, so to speak. It's not like you just have to draft one. You, you could go that route if you want to. But what's Lamar worth at this point from a trade yeah. value standpoint? I think Miami would give up a lot. I think Atlanta would give up a lot. I think there are teams out there that would be in on Lamar Jackson. And so if they want out, if they don't think this is the blueprint long-term, I think the injuries now back to back to back years in and out of the lineup, that gives them an out. So it's kind of their call and it's gonna be really, really interesting, you're right, because Lamar Jackson, former NFL MVP, hard to give up on him. At the same time, it might be worth it to to turn the page and, and bring someone else in that, uh, that they believe in more, if they don't believe in putting weapons around Lamar, or you just invest in those weapons and see if that works.
1: Uh, circling back for a minute to Josh Allen, and the, you know this has nothing to, well, I guess you could say it has everything to do with playing the Bengals tonight because they're playing the Bengals tonight. But when I started really looking into some of his stats, and, I, and I've always kind of felt, and I've said it on this show, that I think he gets very sloppy with the ball just watching their games. I did not realize he had thrown 13 interceptions. I did not realize he's fumbled the ball 13 times. Now he's lost five of the thirteen, but he's put the ball on the deck or, or, or into opponent's hands, potentially, 26 times this year, 18 for sure. I don't know how you put the guy, he's a dynamic player, He's got all kinds of tools. He can do a lot of things that most guys can't do. But I just don't know how you put this guy in the same category as, as Mahomes and Burrow. Am I way out of left field in saying that?
3: It's all about personal preference, much like the, the conversation we were having with with about Lamar. Do you want the guy that can throw it three miles and do all, make every throw, every highlight play, everything? There's things that Josh Allen can do that Joe Burrow just can't do throws off platform that joe burrow can't yeah. make won't make and a lot of people see those things and you know i bet you if you polled nationally most people would say josh allen they would take josh allen over joe burrow if you took a national poll from casual nfl fans on up to to diehards and, and statisticians all, all of the above but i agree with you i i think the turnovers that that's one element of tonight where You look at it and you say, all right, much like Brett Favre back in the day, he's going to give you a couple chances. And you have to take advantage of those chances because he's so talented and he's tough to bring down. And it could be third and 18 and he could run for 21 or throw for 31. And that's realistic. That wouldn't be crazy. That's a normal Josh Allen play. He's also going to give you a few shots. And you have to take advantage of those in games like this. So he should be, to me, he's in that conversation. He's in that realm. But would I take Mahomes over Allen? Absolutely. And if you think I'm going to come on here and say I would take Allen over Burrow, well, I'm not saying that either. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, um, he's right where he needs to be in Burrow. It's a, it's a perfect fit here in Cincinnati for sure.
1: Now, Look, somebody on the chat brings up the point, said, look, Burrow's fumbled it five times, lost two. That's a significant difference between 13 and five. And Burrow has thrown one fewer um, interception so far this year uh, than Allen. But uh, the last thing he also threw
3: so many. He also threw so many in Week One. That and and if you look back, I I was going. I was deleting. Yeah, and I was deleting some videos just to clear up some space and, and back from Week One, and I was like, "Oh man!" Like we knew he lost weight, but when you look at him now versus. Just looking back then, it's like, oh man, he still wasn't the Joe Burrow we know today, no doubt.
1: Well, those are five picks, if I or four picks in a, in a fumble, right? Yeah. From week one, yeah. if I remember that, I mean that's insane. Yep. Um, okay, the last thing uh, I want to ask you about because I think it is, it, it is unbelievable what's going on in San Francisco. Uh, th- th- this Brock Purdy. I mean, and and not just him. We can talk about him in a second. But when you look at their team, they start the season with Trey Lance. And again, I just try to put this into perspective of if it was your team, whoever your team is, and for many of us, it's the Bengals. Okay? If the Bengals would have started this season, you help me because you know who the third quarterback is. I have no idea. If you started the year with Joe Burrow, then you went to Brandon Allen, who I think is one of the worst backup quarterbacks in the league, you, you didn't say that, I said that. Now you go to the number three, who would be the number three guy for the Bengals? Jake Browning. Okay, the kid out of Remember Washington, him? right? Yeah, yep. Okay, all right. Um, all of a sudden this Purdy guy, I mean, it, yeah. they've won nine in a row. They went from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo So now this guy, as everybody knows, Mr. Irrelevant, last guy picked in the draft. And they, for the first time, learned something about him yesterday, where the only snaps he had taken in his career, when the 49ers were behind in the fourth quarter, is when he was filling in for Garoppolo when they were getting their tails kicked. Well, now all of a sudden yesterday, he comes in, or he's in the game, they're down, brings him back, wins it in overtime. I think right now that's the best team in the league. You agree or disagree?
3: I think they're playing like it. Um, would I pick them to win the Super Bowl? No. Because if you think I'm picking Brock Purdy, even though it's a really good roster, right, over Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Josh Allen, I can't do it. And I think it's going to be one of those three teams in the Super Bowl from the AFC. So they're playing great. I would love to see Bengals 49ers round 3. Almost got it last year. I thought the Bengals would have won it then. We'll see if we get it this year, but yeah, I um uh, I do think that as of right now out of the NFC, hard to doubt them. I and now they could stumble into the one seed. Yeah, which, I know. Man, if if they get the one seed then yeah, they're they're certainly the favorites in the NFC and they might be regardless because of that offense, the weapons the the ability that defense I get it they gave up points yesterday but that's good for them that's good to, to test them that way because the defense stepped up and made big plays down the stretch and obviously in overtime as well
1: well uh James you're a lucky man you get to be there in person tonight I know it'll be a very very late night we thank you for taking the time to join us uh today and enjoy the game tonight my friend you're a lucky man to be there
3: I'm excited. It's, uh, I just hope it delivers. I hope it's a a, a yeah. close one, a tight one, and, uh, and who knows. So you mentioned tie earlier in this interview. Hopefully it's not a tie because that means that there's an overtime period, which would mean it would be a late, 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 late night.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Let's hope and pray just for everybody's sake. Ties only happen in soccer. They don't happen in football. Or they shouldn't happen in football. All right. Have a good one tonight, my friend. Take care, James. Thanks, Tom. You too. All right, James Rapine, kind enough to join us. Great to have him with us on the uh, program as always. Uh, Many of you agree that, you know, he's becoming the Bengal insider guy, not just on this show, uh, but in general. I mean, uh, you know, Casey, Paul, this guy laid it all out there. Hey, and by the way, before we go any further, okay, while I was gone over the weekend, uh we have a new deal now with betfred sportsbook could you please either one of you tell me a little bit more about what is going on and it's such an honor and a privilege to have them on board with the program and on chatterbox sports
2: yes absolutely and actually tom we uh casey and i we're going to talk about it but also trace is going to come in here in just a few minutes and set the scene and lay out all the details and give everybody here a full explanation on it so I am going to let Trace do all of the talking on that. But just to preview that, yes, we did sign a deal with Betfred Sports. You can see it down here along the, the scroller. You can see yep. the link down there to Betfred Sports. They have an app that you can download and join if you're in the state of Ohio. Show them the new picks graphic. So, Casey, do you want? let's just do the picks now. Tom, let's do the picks now because all right, – we Let's were, do them right
1: now, and they're brought to you by Betfred Sportsbook, Correct. That is exactly
2: right. So you can see up there presented by Betfred Sportsbook. Betfred is the official betting partner now of Chatterbox Sports. Anytime you hear us taking a line for a game, if you look at the lines down at the bottom of the screen, all of those lines come from the Betfred Sportsbook. So we'll be partnering with them for content, uh, everything like that down the line. We're really excited about that because not only the content that we have, But the content that other content creators have around the city, there are so many big names, good people, uh, really talented content creators that Betfred has signed that now we can work with and and do stuff with. So all of that combined is going to lead to a pretty, I think, fruitful partnership with Betfred. But Trace will get into a
1: lot of that more uh, in just a minute. So they are the uh, for those who don't know, they are the sports book partner of the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, And so, you know, hey, look, uh, they've been very active in the market, Uh, any market that they go to. uh, And I was doing a lot of research on them uh, over the weekend when Trace told me about the deal. They are the oldest sports book in England and have been around forever. And it's a fascinating company because the guy who started the company uh, has also formed another company where they're televising sports. So they've not only become a sports book. They are also televising rugby, uh, among other things, uh, in Europe. And so uh, we're, we're thrilled to have them uh, here at Chatterbox Sports. All right, yeah. you just put up the numbers. from. Uh, go ahead. We can ready to say something, Paul? Yeah, I was just
2: going to say, off of that, we saw the, the graphic here, Tom. So uh, I was at the century mark, but you guys are right there on our heels. And I'll tell you what, I mean – This is anybody's game here with just a couple of weeks left.
1: Okay, well, um, then let's go right through them. I mean, let's go ahead and get right to it and find out how we did over the weekend. And And we can talk about some of these games a little bit later on. This is
2: just a generic graphic here, but you can see Betfred getting some love there that we're going to change things up there as the season goes on. So let's get right into it. We picked 11 games this weekend. Ten games have already happened. The one game that has not happened, of course, is the Bengals game tonight. And we start with South Carolina and Notre Dame. The Irish were favored by three and a half. Tom and Casey, you both picked the game. Cox Paul picked the Irish and the Irish covered. Yeah, and I'm the dummy
1: who said Notre Dame couldn't score. uh, And they scored almost uh, 50 in that game. So move on. Tom, your OU
2: Bobcats at the buzzer at the end.
1: a town boys. i know what to tell you 10 and 4 10 and 4 for the bobcats and uh and, and their losses were to the likes of like penn state iowa state i mean the mid-american conference in the bowl season if i'm not mistaken only lost one game one game might have been two i forgot about miami losing that tight one but 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 the mid-american conference played great football during the bowl season and uh, hopefully curtis roar comes back next year his senior year, Bobcats win it all.
2: Yep, they were four the Mac was four and two in bowl season. All there right. We go. Uh so Tom, you and I picked OU. Casey picked Wyoming. Okay. Um all right. Tennessee and Clemson. Clemson was favored by six. Tennessee big, and we're all winners. Move on. Ohio State and Georgia. Georgia won it, but all of us picked the Buckeyes and they covered.
1: Yes, they did, and we'll talk more about that game and the other one, which you're about to mention here in a moment. CCU
2: and Michigan. I didn't pick them. You guys both picked the Horn Frogs, and
1: you're both winners. That boy, Casey. boy, Casey. Stick with our guy, Sonny Leader Dykes. Max Duggan. Leaders of it. Go ahead. On to the NFL.
2: Kansas City. Drill Georgia. Drill Georgia. Drill <laughs> Georgia. Go ahead. On to the Kansas City, minus 12 and a half. We talk a lot about how we hate those big spreads. Denver covers easily. All three of us are winners.
1: Yeah, and that was a good game. I mean, that was one I think every Bengals fan um, was either, you know, checking out the scores on their phone or maybe they were watching it on TV where you're saying, oh, is this the break the Bengals need um, to have potentially a shot at that number one seed? Because if they beat Buffalo tonight, they would have a tie break if all the records are the same. Uh, over both of those teams on on head-to-head competition. You know, can the Stidham kid play well again for the Raiders next week? They took the Niners to overtime. That game will be in Las Vegas. Um, That game is going to get, by the way, is on Saturday, that game. So we'll know before the Bengals even take the field Sunday if they um, have a chance to be the number one overall. Well, we would know officially, I guess, tonight. If they lost tonight, they can't be the number one seed. So they got to win tonight. Have they declared, by the way, what the Sunday night flex game is yet? They have not
2: said what the Sunday night game is. But what I will say, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on here, and and it did actually end up happening, the Jaguars and Titans are going to play on Saturday, not Sunday. It will not be the Sunday night game.
1: Well, then I can promise you you can take it to the bank. It's going to be Detroit at Green Bay. You can book it. That will be the Sunday night game. Yeah. Packers win. They're in. Lose. Perhaps out. Lions. Now, granted, the Lions, we potentially would know if they had a chance to get in based on what Seattle does on Sunday. Who does Seattle play Sunday? The Rams. Rams. Now, Rams are just terrible. Good Lord. I mean, talk about a – anyway. Okay, so so that's what's going to happen because the only three teams left vying for that final playoff spot in the NFC – are Green Bay, Detroit, Seattle. If Seattle were to lose on Sunday, and a long shot of that happening, but that means it's a winner-take-all game between Detroit and Green Bay. Winner is in. Yep. Um, That's going to be the Sunday night game. Okay, go ahead.
2: All right. Uh, So, wait, we just picked Kansas City, Denver. All right, Carolina, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay covered it. Tom, you and I are
1: winners. Casey, pick the Panthers. Tom Brady, boys, I'll tell you right now. um, We know for sure the Buccaneers are in the playoffs. uh, And they're going to get a home game. Uh, And right now, right now, and, and as we brought up in the monologue, it's really subject to change now all of a sudden with Philadelphia losing two in a row. Uh, Dallas one game behind them, 49ers one game behind them for the number one seed, so a lot could change. But uh, if somehow Rodgers gets in, how would you like to be the number two seed playing in the first round against Aaron Rodgers or the number five seed, let's say the Dallas Cowboys, uh, having to play Tom Brady and the Bucs? Well, Um, all all Green Bay has to do is win next week. That's what I'm saying, and they're in it. And they would be the final spot, the number seven seed, and have to play the number two seed, which right now would be – actually, with Minnesota losing yesterday, I had not checked to see who moved up to the number two seed as we stand right now in the um, NFC. Let me take a look here real quick. I got you. Number two seed in the NFC now belongs to the San Francisco 49ers. They win a tie break over Minnesota based on win percentage in conference games. So as it stands right now, you got Philly one, San Fran two, Minnesota three, Tampa Bay four. Tampa Bay is gonna stay four no matter what. But you have Philadelphia, San Francisco, Dallas, and on the outside looking in Minnesota, all with a chance to be the number one seed in the NFC. Pretty exciting stuff.
2: Absolutely. All right. Miami and New England. Uh, New England did win, but we all lost this on the hook. It was two and a half. They won by two. We all picked the Patriots. Yeah. All right. Next one. And Tom, you switched here and it paid off.
1: Cleveland There's and no Washington. Doubt, There's no doubt.
2: We were all on the comm- We were all on the commander's You switched to the Brownies and it paid off.
1: Well, you know, you look at, um, you look at, at the commanders and it's really a shame because look, I mean, nobody likes Daniel Snyder. Okay. So it's hard to root for anything. Daniel Snyder's a part of, but I think everybody universally likes Ron Rivera, right? Everybody likes, how can you not like that guy? And, um, What they've lost three in a row to end to end the season, and now they're eliminated. D U N done. Correct me if I'm wrong. The Brownies are seven and nine.
2: Yes. Uh, Yeah.
1: Okay. They're they're finishing up okay. Go ahead.
2: And then the last one that we haven't uh, that hasn't happened yet. Pitts. uh, Wait. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh beat Baltimore last
1: night. We all picked the Steelers. So, where are we now with one more to go?
2: So, here it is with just the Bengals remaining. Oh,
1: Casey, I got a bad feeling. Oh, boy.
0: Yeah, I had a really rough weekend. It was rough.
1: Boy, this is coming down to the wire, boys. Tom Brady was lucky. I'm I'm reminding myself a lot of Tom Brady right now down in the fourth quarter been down the entire game and here we are down in the last 7 8 minutes and if you notice there was a time I was about 17 18 back and now we're down to five
0: it's getting getting close it's getting it's getting
2: right there tom it's getting it's right there it's also getting
1: deep it's also getting deep but sir boy wonder's always got my back we we are we are just going by
2: um wins right not winning percentage we're just going by yeah, wins yeah 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 okay yeah all right yeah because Although- be- because I know as boom shakalaka points out we uh redid our graphic system today we do know that there is a discrepancy in the loss between the games that we have picked but the win total is correct so that's why I just wanted to make sure because the win total is correct i will put it that way we, I went back and double-checked this morning. The wins are correct, and that's what matters. Casey, you have 86. You see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. The okay. emperor makes a point, says, Tom, you better pick opposite of Paul every game the rest of the way. We got <laughs> one more full weekend of NFL regular season. The, the bowl game is, uh, season is basically over. We're not picking any of the games going on today. So we're going to have the Bengals game tonight. Next weekend in the NFL, we'll pick you know, the more important games, all the teams that are in the hunt, whether it be to get in the playoffs or a seeding in the playoffs. Uh, we're not going to worry about who does Cleveland play next week. I, I, I don't even really care about us picking them next week. Uh, it makes no difference because unless they are playing a team, they are playing, oh, yeah, we got to pick them. It's against the Steelers. Uh, that's a big game. That's um, big okay. Big game. That's a big game. Or potentially could be a big game. Um you know that's why I really liked, and 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 the NFL should do this, and maybe they do it. Maybe that's where baseball got it from. You guys help me. Are all the games this week at the same time except for the Sunday night game?
2: Uh that's a good question. I don't know. Usually, they haven't announced that yet. They haven't, it's all, it's all all getting announced today. There are the two games on Saturday. The Chiefs play on Saturday and Jacksonville, Tennessee is Saturday. Those times are already set. The Chiefs play at 430, Casey, 430. And then the Jaguars and the Titans play at 815 and they have not announced the Sunday schedule yet.
1: Okay. Well, I'm just trying to remember if they start all the games at the same time, uh, because that makes it so much more exciting than having a bunch of games early uh, depending on the outcome, now all of a sudden in the nightcap, uh, you know, the afternoon games, late afternoon games, teams could rest their players and all that kind of thing. Um, so I, I don't know if they do that or not. I know baseball does it. I can't remember. Do we have time to take a break, fellas? Um,
2: we actually, you know what? We won't take a break. Um, yeah, we'll – or no, yeah, you know what? We will. Take take a 30-second. Take a 30-second. You all guys right. take
1: it on the full screen, Okay. All right, we'll be back. All right.
4: At
3: United Dairy Farmers, we've perfected freshness in our family bakery, where we use only the finest ingredients, like thick, high-quality glazes on our signature donuts, before delivering them fresh
0: from bakery to store every day. UDF, made for you. If your
3: AC or furnace is struggling, turn to the experts at Bartels Heating and Cooling. Their certified technicians get the job done right the first time, and if you need a new unit, Bartels will give you upfront pricing with no hidden fees. Plus, ask about Bartels' 0% interest financing for 60 months. Learn more at bartelsheatingandcooling.com. Bartels Heating and Cooling, for a comfortable way of life. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, proudly sponsoring high school football with three locations in Mason, Liberty Township, and Ross, Ohio. Our 10-foot screens guarantee a great view from every seat in the house. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, the best place in Cincinnati for sports, food, and fun.
1: turn when you're in pain turn where more high school college and pro athletes turn where your neighbors and weekend warriors turn turn to beacon orthopedics and sports medicine and get superior care on your schedule that's the beacon difference check out our fresh arrivals at jake Sweeney used cars over 250 used vehicles weekly all makes all models from economy to luxury jake Sweeney, the original used car superstore All right, welcome back to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Fellas, um, and and I know Trace is probably going to tell us more about Betfred Sports and our uh, partnership with them moving forward, um, starting today officially, Uh, but also the college football games over the weekend. Um, You know, I, I read a couple of articles where it was pointed out that that this was too late in coming, meaning the history, the track record had been going back to 2014, that the semifinal games have by and large been blowouts going all the way back to 2014. In uh, that first year, Alabama got blown out of the gym by uh, I think Ohio State that year. You had Oregon uh, killed somebody, I think Florida State and the other semi. Uh, and, and that was just the beginning of a trend. Um, one thing that cannot be denied, the the scoring in the college football playoff, and we're two years away from going to 12 teams, which I think everybody's excited about um, because these semis traditionally have been blowouts and then the championship game, you flip a coin. You have a really strong chance of having a lot of good games with a 12 team playoff. Um, but these two games guys, uh, look, I, I don't care if you're an Ohio State fan, an Ohio State hater. I don't care if you love Michigan or hate Michigan. I don't care if you know nothing about TCU, you follow them all year long. I don't care if Georgia is your guy or, or you could care less about Kirby Smart or Bennett who, who's almost 30 years old or whatever it is or any of them, right? These games this weekend was everything you want in college football or postseason anything. Let's start with a TCU game. There were decisions made in that game where, and the comments came out in the post game by one of the defenders on TCU. If you remember right, JJ McCarthy, very talented kid, quarterback at Michigan, uh, bright future ahead of him. I don't think he's a pro guy, but some might um he made the comment about tcu's style of defense where they play a 3-5-3 is what they do and they've done it all year long okay and they found a way to win every game except for one and he made the comment that if tcu plays that defense there's going to be some smashing going on and the very first play of the game the kid runs for almost 60 yards but gets caught from behind okay fast forward Michigan gets down inside the two yard line. Now this is the team allegedly with the best offensive line in college football. Pros everywhere, okay? They got an outstanding running back. They got great blocking tight ends, the whole nine yards. And Jim Harbaugh decides to do the Philly special on fourth and goal from a two. Now I love Jim Harbaugh. I despise Michigan, but I love Jim Harbaugh. I think he's a great coach. I think he's a good man. I think he stands for a lot of things that I agree with. But the comment was made after the game when they were stopped on that fourth and goal, that first drive of the game. One of the kids on TCU's defense, and not in an arrogant way, he said, we knew we had him, when they reached into the bag of tricks on fourth and goal from the two. We knew we had them. Now, of course he didn't know he had them because we were, in, we were five minutes into the game. But it brings up a great point. What in the world, Casey, I don't know if you watch the game. Paul, I don't know if you watch the game. Um, what in the world is Michigan doing Pulling out the flea thicker, Trace, yep. good morning to you, my friend. Good morning, Tom. Okay. You heard everything I just said. You watched both of the games. When you saw Harbaugh try the Philly special on fourth and goal from the two. Yeah. Were you in as much disbelief as I was?
4: I was, because if you're going to – if you're gonna predicate your program or you're going to sit there and look directly into the eyes of the kids and also to the narrative around your program at Michigan right now, especially in the last two years has been we're a smash mouth football team. That's who we are. We're gonna line it up and we're gonna we're gonna dominate you physically. I don't know how you can stand there and have that message at the end of the game when that's the type of decision that you make. You know, if you run it right up the middle and you get stuffed yep then at least then at least you can say you know what they were better than us but the idea that you're going to try to run a trick play and outsmart people we talked about this on the show i think it was friday and it's like the question was you know why do really really smart coaches guys that spend 100 hours a week in the office why do they do things that the average football fan or the average person that's watching just sits there and says that's that's an idiotic thing to do and i don't know what the answer is other than they think they're they're going to outsmart the other the other person and and they just overthink things at times but in a moment like that you brought it up you're at the 2 yard line you run the ball up the middle you yeah. do get stopped the ball's the ball's at the 1 yard line with a with what you think is you have a good defense so you know i know that everyone's going to sit there and say well if it worked trace and tom you know they'd be geniuses and you'd be talking about how great of a play it was like no i i wouldn't i wouldn't personally because at the end of the day like if you're going to surround your program with the idea or your identity as a program is that you are a physical smash mouth football team that's not what you do you do not make that decision at the goal line
1: you know the 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 There there are a number of ways you can look at all this kind of stuff, okay? And and, and at the end of the day, it's all about how it turns out. Let's be honest about it here. Max Duggan did not play a particularly good game for TCU. They ran the ball very well against a team that everybody thought they couldn't run against, and they did it primarily with a backup running back because the Miller kid, who's their best running back, I thought he was the best running back in the Big 12 this year. Uh, Some would argue that in Miller but he got hurt early in the game. Other kid comes in, runs for a buck 50, whatever it was, has a big long run. Duggan does not play a great game, but J.J. McCarthy. Now, you know, I'm always reluctant to get on kids uh, because they're still college kids. And look, I I know stupid stuff that I said and did at 19. J.J. McCarthy's 19. I got a 19-year-old daughter who does stupid stuff. I got a 17-year-old son who does stupid stuff. Okay, so every parent can acknowledge exactly what I just said. But 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 look, I, I know Jim Harbaugh a little bit, okay? And when he goes back into his hotel room at night, after reading the comment McCarthy makes leading up to the game about TCU and TCU's defense, right. and then McCarthy comes out and throws two pick sixes in the game. But even before the game started trace i don't get how these guys come out and say some of the stuff that they do before you're playing in a big game like that you know the other team is looking for every single sliver of something to get motivated extra motivation for a game like that and i think it was acknowledged after the game the tcu kids had said in a very Kind's not the right word. They weren't being malicious. They weren't being, I told you so. They weren't be, be saying the guy's a jerk. They weren't saying any of those things. They did say, this guy basically said that we had no chance to stop. And there is that much more motivation.
4: Yeah, I like the narrative that some people use when they laugh at the notion that, that you know, oh, Baltimore material, does it really matter, you know, because these kids aren't gonna play hard already it's it's we're all humans right i mean at the end of the day we are we are subject to our surroundings and if if there's times where you see it all the time kids can get lazy because they're told how good they are and then on the opposite end kids that have been struggled their whole life that have been told they're not any good they're the ones that have the grit right they're the ones that have the it factor that we all talk about the truth is is that that does that stuff does matter i mean the 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 idea that that you're Michigan, right? The last thing that I would be doing if I was a quarterback or, or any leader of Michigan is to talk negatively about TCU at all. There's no point in it. And you might say, well, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, they're just going to go play the game. Like, if you tell someone they're not good enough, similar to Ohio State, for a long enough period of time, they're going to work harder. They're going to study longer. They're going to prepare better. And when you line up in front of somebody that tells you that you're not good enough, I don't care what anybody says, you're going to yeah. be, you're going to have a little more motivation to play a little bit harder throughout that game. And listen, Michigan did it to themselves a little bit too, Tom. I know I know that, that those comments theoretically weren't the difference maker in the game, right? You got to hold on to the football. You, you don't score a point two times inside the five-yard line. That's probably yeah. a large part of the difference. McCarthy threw two pick sixes. So, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know if it theoretically made the difference, but there's no, there's no denying the fact throughout the history of sports that what you say to somebody or what, what the narrative is of, a, of an opponent or of, of a team, it does matter. I think it truly does matter. And for him to say that, if nothing else, you could hang your hat on the fact that I think it might be a learning lesson. You would hope so for him. Of yeah. like, listen, you don't underestimate anybody. There's no point in it. You don't, you don't get anything from saying that they're not going to be able to stop you or, you know, we're going to smash it right down their throat. Well, A little bit of humble pie,
1: you know? Yeah. Uh, The other game, uh, obviously, you had tremendous rooting interest in that game. You're a Georgia fan, acknowledged. Uh, Many wondered, you know, the pregame conversation, was Ohio State up for the task? Well, after watching the game, there's no question they were up for the task, and they came to play, and Ryan Day brought them to play, and they're up 14 in the the fourth quarter. Um, You know, both teams had significant injuries before the game. Uh, Ohio State certainly took a major hit during the game when Marvin Harrison. And I wanna ask you about that play before we get to the overall feelings. Trace, the, the one mistake people make in the definition of targeting, you do not have to lead with your head to be called for targeting. You can lead with your shoulder pad and hit another player in the head. Stevie Wonder could have seen Okay, that that was clearly a shoulder straight to the head hit on Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm not saying it made a difference on who won the game or who lost the game. But the rules are exactly this. And for people who think it has to be helmet to helmet, leading with a crown of your helmet, wrong. You can drill a guy with your shoulder pads in the head, leading with a shoulder, and it's targeting. That's exactly what happened on that play, and I have no idea what they were watching on that play. And it's a play they better get figured out on how to officiate, it. because that was brutal that call.
4: Yeah, I know that um, there was a lot of there was a lot of plays in that game that were obviously yeah yeah. yeah I'm not that, saying it's the only one, it. but yeah, I, I think I we would, all have to admit that I was would the most say- significant one it was a significant play but i will i'll have to watch it again tom to be fair and i'm not i'm not one to speculate one side or the other just because of, of, of fandom um in fact we'll get into the fact that today i i i do think ohio state outplayed outplayed georgia in a large part of that football game but as far as it goes on that specific play initially i i i just said that i will agree to disagree if that is targeting because one, I don't think he was defenseless. He was getting ready to score a touchdown. He was going to catch the ball for a touchdown, which, you know, the ball, it's not like he was coming over the middle, in my opinion. And the ball was just wildly thrown up in the air. And how he even got hands on it is a credit to, to not only C.J. Stroud, but to Harrison Jr. as well. I, I, when I looked at it initially, and again, I'll go back and look at it again, and I'm not saying that, that you're wrong or, or, or my opinion is right right, right here. It looked to me like he had hit his shoulder into his shoulder pad, which was right next to his helmet. And then Harrison got knocked out with his head kind of hitting the turf. I don't think he got knocked out on the actual hit. That was my initial judgment. I watched that like with the telecast. I've not gone back and rewatched it a bunch um, to be fair. So I don't know for sure what my I don't know what my strong opinion would be on it. But my initial opinion was that he hit him in a spot that was, that was kind of like right near the shoulder pad. And when Harrison Jr. fell on the turf, he banged his head off the side of the turf pretty hard. And I thought that's what caused the concussion. But there's a million plays in that game. I give yeah. Ohio State immense amount of credit. I, I, I've watched Georgia play a lot of football teams. And they were probably the first team that I've watched where I genuinely felt like if they played 10 times, it would be six and four, five and five. They're 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 evenly matched football teams. They're very very good. Both sides sustained a lot of injuries. You know, I hear Georgia fans on one side talking about how Darnell Washington got hurt in the first quarter and yeah. that made a big difference. And then you know yeah. you have Stover on the other side for for Ohio State that's been knocked out. They don't have Smith and Jigma. They all you know they don't have um, Henderson. So you can't sit here and play the whole injury game with Ohio State. That's none right. of that. None that's of that's right. realistic. None of that's fair at the end of the day yep. it was just an unbelievable football game i think if anything that i would say that ohio state just needs extreme help with is that they can't you know georgia could run the football a little bit but you can't let georgia run the football like that i mean they were running at what seemed at times tom 15 to 20 yard gains and and barely getting touched you know yep. um and yeah i know the kids slipped on the big pass but that was remnants of the michigan game a little bit there and it just felt like at times Jim Knowles has some work to do, but on the yeah. opposite side, I've always said Kirby Smart's one of the ba- best defensive minds that I've ever seen, and he got shredded. I mean, sometimes when you have really good offense, as you said, good yeah. offense good offense just beats yeah. defense sometimes, especially in the NBA, If you not the jump subjects, but sometimes, you know, good offense just beats good defense. You can't, you can, There's nothing you can do about it. So those are my overall thoughts on the game. My heart does genuinely go out to Ohio State fans. If I was on the opposite side of that, I'd It'd be tough. I mean, it'd be really, really tough. But you well, know. I just you
1: know the, the, the thing that and we'll we'll spin spin here in a second to bet, Fred. But you know, I for the life of me, and every fan base has these group of people, and Ohio State is certainly right up there. Um, but what some people have done on social media to this kicker from Ohio State, Noah Ruggles, uh, is just mind boggling to me um i i i just cannot believe and it makes you think trace who are these people seriously what are they doing when they wake up every single morning okay they clearly don't have kids because anybody in their right mind with children that have had their children get criticized for fill in the blank there's no way they're going to go get on social media or on some radio talk show and bury a guy for missing a fifty-yard field goal, but yeah. but 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 the venom um, and, and it reflects back. Somebody it brings up a great point in the chat. Scott Norwood missed the field goal for the Buffalo Bills uh, in in Super Bowl. Right? Goes into a deep state of depression. I mean, just yeah, think, I, you know, I, look, I... You're thinking about saying something negative about the kicker. Let it go and find something else to really worry about or criticize instead of a 21-year-old kid or whatever he is, 20-year-old kid. You got to let it go. This stuff's important. It's not that important.
4: Yeah, it, it very much so, and I, 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 when as soon as that game was over, I knew that there was going to be a ridiculous amount of speculation or, or or criticism, if you will, of the kicker, not because he missed it, but the way he missed it as well. And I, and I'll be honest with you, if you go back and you look at the interaction between the holder and the kicker, not, and I don't want to get deep yeah, into this because you're right. at the at the end of the day, I, I, I don't, I don't really think that we should harp on one kick over an entire football game Georgia missed two kicks you know I mean there's, yeah. a, there's a million different plays you could go back and say well if this was different or this was different the kicker is irrelevant so the idea we're putting the whole entire game on the kicker is is absurd to yeah. me but but if you go back and you look at that kick <clears throat> there was something that went on there with the holder I don't know enough yeah, about I, holding I, I've
1: heard people make reference to that too if you uh, yeah, go back right. and look at right. you,
4: could, you could go back on YouTube or whatever you, you find the kick and immediately as soon as he kicked it the the holder kind of put his hands over his face mask and kind of buried his head between his lap. And the kicker, the one that missed the kick, is the one that immediately pulled him up. Now, I don't know if there was a situation where he held the ball completely wrong and the only people that really know that are the people within that special teams group or if it's a situation where the kicker is just trying to support his guy. Um, but But at the end of the day, listen, if you go on social media and you're trying to attack somebody because they missed something, they're the man in the arena. You know, I don't need to sit here and preach, but I've, I've always had the, the the assumption that, listen, even professionals to a small extent, yeah, they get paid millions of dollars, but they put their lives into this, man. That kicker, the Ruggles kid, has been kicking footballs probably since he was whatever, 13, 14 years old. Yeah, that's right. Every single damn day while nobody's paying attention. And the man in the arena, if you look at it or you go read it or whatever term you want to use, like, that is largely what a lot of these kids are. Like, this is their life. They don't go on vacations. You know, they, they've spent their entire childhood trying to perfect or become as good as they possibly can at a game that we all enjoy. And at the end of the day, can you criticize them? I think that you can, but I don't think you make yeah. it personal. I don't think you can make it personal. And that's where a lot of people cross the line. And, you know, fandom is crazy, and that's why they're called fans. But I'm with you. The idea that the Ruggles kid it's his fault is absurd and i do hope for his sake that he realizes that you know a lot of a lot of the people that are saying the things they're saying don't have you know they, their opinion shouldn't matter and they don't have any bearing on his future so that's an easy thing for me to sit here and say tom and i know that the, the, the road's probably not going to be easy for him but i'd love to see nothing more than him to go make some big kicks next year just for, yeah. for the sake of the kid himself
1: all right let's talk about Bet Fred, brand new partner with us here on Chatterbox Sports.
4: Yep. So here's what we're going to do. I know we didn't really get a chance to, to kind of, uh, with you being remote, we didn't get a chance to prepare, plan a whole lot. We have a cherry on top today. We'll let you do your cherry on top. We'll let you go away. I'll do a little thing with uh, with the Bet Fred right before we do box lunch. And then you'll be back here, I believe. We'll do a show again, obviously, tomorrow. But then you'll be yep. back in here on Wednesday. And uh, yep. we'll, when you're back, we'll be able to share all the kind of things that we have uh, the ability, quite frankly, to start doing now with, with Bedfred, but it's a really, really big deal. But there's something uh, that we need to do first and uh, United Dairy Farmers, as you know, uh, a huge sponsor of this show and uh, we got the cherry on top and I think you're going to like this.
1: Alright, let's do it boys. What do we got here today? Our United Dairy Farmers cherry on
4: Alright, so I'll tee this up a little bit. There was a guy that was waiting for for those that don't know. There was a guy that was waiting, Tom, for his Masters invite. Right? He 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 knew that he was gonna get invited. You know these things beforehand. I'm talking about the golf tournament for those that, that aren't yeah. uh, too familiar with uh, the Masters. I'm sure. I'm assuming you are. Um, but check this out. This guy was waiting and waiting and waiting for this invite. It turns out that he didn't quite. They didn't quite send it to the right address. So I think these guys are going to try to blow this up here and, and uh, see it. But it says, I'll read it if you can't read it. Uh, it says, Hi, Scott. My name is Scott Stallings as well, and I'm from Georgia. My wife's name is Jennifer Two. Her IG is obviously blacking that out for privacy. We have a condo at blank, and I received a FedEx today from Masters inviting me to play in the Masters tournament <laughs> April 6th to the 9th, 2023. I'm 100% sure this is not for me. I play, but wow, nowhere near your level. It is a very nice package, complete with everything needed to attend. I think we have some confusion because our names and our wives' names and ge- geographical location. So we have two guys that have the same name and the same wife's name, and he's saying, I can be reached, and I am more than happy to send you this package. So think about that, Tom. There it is
1: unbelievable
4: yeah and then he has the audacity to say underneath it he sends the pictures and he says i'm really not kidding i promise <laughs>
1: that is unbelievable that is a great story
4: can you imagine great Tom? Story. so so i looked uh i looked really quickly uh at scott stallings set said his his uh message says literally i have been checking my mail every day for the past <laughs> seven
0: days five times a day for this
1: of course of course he has some masters for crying out loud. Good for him. Tom. Good but for him.
4: He'll never get any better mail. Could you imagine?
1: No, I can't. Nor will I ever get any piece of mail like that. So <laughs> I can live vicariously through him. That's right. All right, Tom, I'll let you sign off. But nonetheless,
4: we're going to take it from here. We appreciate you uh, jumping on remotely. Hopefully gotta, you figure out the travel situations and, uh, and best yeah, of luck getting yeah, back to us.
1: Yeah, hopefully getting back tomorrow. All right, buddy, I'll talk to you and go Ben tonight. Looking forward to that one. All
4: righty. Thanks, Tom.